Every journey begins with a first step. The path is rarely clear, filled with challenges and distractions that pull us away from our ultimate goal. But we can be ready, ready to run the race, to fan the flame, to fight the good fight. With courage and persistence, each step brings us closer. And even though we can't see the finish line, we can be ready for it. Look to the end, run hard, and finish well. Awesome. Good morning, church. Good morning. I'm so glad you're here. It's going to be a great day. and so excited we're starting a new series today. Let me tell you, when I was a freshman in college, when I was a freshman in college, I signed up to take this class called Physical Education for Business Majors. Okay, so I go in, you know, my advisor meets with them, and I'm a freshman, I know a lot, you know, and they're like, you, you got you know, you can take one more hour if you want to, and I'm like, okay, and they said, well, this is mostly reserved, you know, usually juniors and seniors, but if we can get you in, and I'm like, okay, sure, sign me up, that'd be great. So, so I go to this class, and I go over into Russell Gym, and Russell Gym is packed out with all of these juniors and seniors. Here I am, a lowly freshman, kind of walking in, you know, I'm like, I'm already intimidated, here you are at college, you know, and but I go in, I sit down on the bleacher, the coach comes in, and the coach is like, okay, this is this physical education for business majors. I know most of you guys really don't want to be here, but here's, we're going to try to help you, you know, when you're in business, and kind of stay in shape and do those things. So today we want you to go dress out, and then we're going to run three miles, and we're going to do it for time. And I was like, wow, okay, uh, I wasn't ready for that, but all right, so we go dress out, and, and I got to tell you, I was, you know, a little nervous, but at the same time, I thought, well, you know, in high school... I'd played some sports, and of course, I've been working out over the summer to get ready to go to college because there were all these girls that were going to be there. You know, I mean, you're in your mind, you're like, I got to get it ready. And so here I am going there as this freshman, and we go outside, and the whole place is packed, and I'm at the very back, and the gun goes off. And so I start to run. And, and all these seniors, they're like walking, you know, but I'm like, I'm doing pretty good, you know, and I'm kind of like moving up, and I'm running, I'm getting past some people, and by mile one, I mean, I'm kind of toward the middle or front of the pack, and I'm thinking, I'm feeling pretty good, you know, and so then I got this thing going, and I get to mile two, and I'm like toward the front. I mean, like, I've passed all these people, and I'm like up toward the front, and then I'm thinking, kick it in, you know, and I got Rocky playing in my head, you know, getting stronger, and Eye of the Tiger, and all that, you know, and I, I'm just like giving it everything I've got, and when I crossed that finish line, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's like one of my Best times ever, and I thought, this is going to be great. I'm going to ace this class. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be fun. Well, freshman year kind of goes on, right, that semester, and you got the freshman 15, and you got, like, you know, going to Denny's at 2 in the morning, you know, and you get your Grand Slam, and I mean, you know, like all these things that are happening and, and studying, and so I kind of stopped working out, and I wasn't, like, staying in as good shape. I go to that class. It was so easy. I'm thinking, oh, you know, they're going to give you some handouts and stuff, well, the last day of the semester, I go to the class, physical education for business majors, right? And I sit down, the coach comes back in and says, hey, today's your last class. Our final exam is this. We are going to run the three miles again for time, and we grade on improvement. <laughs> and all of these seniors are like, oh, freshmen. You know, like, like, I'm like, oh, man. They're just laughing at me. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. What am I going to do? I mean, like, I'm not in the work now. I'm not in shape. I don't, I don't know. So in my mind, I thought, I've got to give it everything. 
I mean, like, I've just got to bust it. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to run as hard as I can. So I get out there, you know, and I'm ready to go. The gun goes out, and I just start sprinting. I mean, like, I'm running. And so, thankfully, mile one, I'm okay. And I made it to mile one. I'm fine, you know. And then I'm like, you know, going. And I'm doing pretty good. And I'm at the front. And then I get to mile two, and all of a sudden, I hit the wall. I mean, like, I know most marathoners hit the wall like mile 18 or 20. I like hit it at mile two, you know. But I'm like, you know, and I'm dying like that. And then people are coming by. You know, here they come. You're like, oh, freshman, you know. Like, they're just running, you know. And here come you know, all the guys and all the girls. They're all coming by, you know. There's a lady pushing a baby. You're like, And I'm just like, oh, you know. I'm like just trying to get there. And I'm going. And I come around the curve. And I can see the finish line. And all I can do is just think, I could get to the finish line, you know, and now in my head, I'm singing this song, I will survive, you know, I'm like just, I want to break down, and everything I could was to make it to this finish line, and I finally get there, and I just kind of fall across the finish line, I think EMS came and did, you know, CPR or whatever, I don't know, but it was like so tough, and I still remember that, right, and in my life, I think back to that often, and I think back to it spiritually, and I think in my life, and I'm going, you know what, spiritually, I don't want to be stumbling across the finish line one day. I want to be running into the arms of Jesus. I want to be giving everything I've got when I see Jesus. I want to be just like so excited. And I want to be living my life for him. And I want to be passionate about him. What's amazing, right? When you guys, when we go online, we're looking at USA Today or all these things, you read the news and, and you see people who are like, four-star generals, or you see people in politics, or you see people in education, and you see they're getting toward the end of life, and then they blow it. And you're like, oh, no, you were so close. You were so close. What happened? And whether they get distracted, they take their mind off with the things that are important, or they break down the, the boundaries that they put in their life. But for you and I, my hope and my prayer for all of us is this, that we would finish well. Right? That's not just how we start. It's how we finish and that we would be running into the arms of Jesus. And we would be given the best for the rest of our lives. And the best of our lives is still to come. And for you and I, man, that we live that way for the glory of God. Us as a church, we've had a great start. But man, let's finish well. Let's finish strong. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. He's going, finish well. And I think God is speaking to every one of us. Today. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, New Testament. Get there with me. It's kind of in the T section, so middle, back of the New Testament. That's how I remember it, right? 1 Thessalonians, 1 2 Timothy, Titus. So they're all the T's are kind of right there together. That helps me kind of find it. But it's right there, and uh, it is great. So 2 Timothy, only four chapters. We're going to do a chapter each week. So we had chapter one today, chapter two next week. Uh, but you don't want to miss this. So pick up here, 2 Timothy. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put the words on the screen. Or maybe you've got a mobile device. You can access the scriptures at version. It's a lot faster to find it that way. And uh, follow along with us. So pick up here, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. All right. If you're taking notes today, here's some things I want you to write down. First of all, the context. The context. Okay, this is important just to kind of know about this letter. And remember, this was a letter. This letter was written by the Apostle Paul. All right, Paul who wrote like half the New Testament, right? And the guy, Paul, he, he grew up in church. He grew up, you know, he was a religious leader. 
But he didn't really meet Jesus until he was on the road to Damascus. And he had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, and his life was forever changed. Paul was a tent maker. I mean, the guy, he made tents, and he got money so that he could go do mission trips. I love that, right? And he would go out and do mission trips. He was planting churches all over. So the Apostle Paul is writing this letter, and he writes it to Timothy, who was Paul's spiritual son in the faith and fellow church planner. He says, you know, to Timothy, my dear son. Well, Timothy wasn't his biological son, but it was his son in the faith. He had led Timothy to Christ. He had discipled Timothy. He had poured into Timothy, this guy. And Timothy's in Ephesus, so he's writing this letter back to him. Now, Timothy's mom and grandmother gave him a spiritual foundation. But his dad was Greek and most likely not a follower. So we're going to hear a little bit about his mom and grandmother in a minute. But he grew up in a home where his dad didn't want to go to church. You know, his dad wasn't a follower of Christ. Maybe you grew up in a church, in a home like that, and you're, maybe you had one parent who went to church, one who didn't, or maybe you grew up and maybe you're a first-generation Christian. You can kind of relate to Timothy. You know, here he is. But his mom and his grandmother poured into him. And they were Jewish. They became Christians, Christ followers, and they gave him this spiritual foundation. Now, here's what was going on kind of in the world. Persecution broke out against the church in 64 AD by the Roman emperor Nero. All right? So if you go back and study history, right, you know, the Roman Empire is over most of the world at this time. The early church has exploded on the scene. There's lots of people coming to know Christ. The Lord was adding to their number daily. The church in Jerusalem was sending missionaries out. Churches were being planted all over. And Nero comes to power. And Nero, if you go back and see it, Nero wanted to build a bigger palace in Rome, but there were a lot of houses in the way. So he had this idea, hey, I'll just set Rome on fire, and I'll burn all those houses down, and I'll blame it on the Christians, and I can build a bigger palace. And that's what he did. I mean, evil, sadistic guy, persecuted Christians. Christians were taken and thrown in the Colosseum to the lions. Uh, Christians were rolled in tar and used for human torches at his palace. I mean, it was just terrible. It was horrible. So that's the climate around here, okay? Because he wrote this letter, uh, 64, 67 AD. Paul was in prison in Rome for the second and the last time. So Paul's been in house imprisonment before he got out, went on another missionary journey. Now he's back in prison. This time he's in a dungeon. And he's in a dungeon in Rome, and he knows. He knows, man, this is it. This is the Apostle Paul's last letter before he's killed for being a Christ follower. So Paul, like, he knows, I'm getting ready to die, okay? So if I'm getting ready to die, I want to pass on everything, right? I mean, if you knew, hey, I don't have long to live, you're going to pour it out, right? To your kids, your grandkids, your friends, your neighbor. I mean, you want, hey, let me tell you what's important in life. Let me just kind of bring you up to speed on the things that are important. Don't miss it. And that's what Paul is doing right here. So first of all, second, he gives them the challenge. Here's the challenge that he says to Timothy. He says, verse 3, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Man, that's so strong. So he challenges him right out of the gate. He says, hey, Timothy, look, there's people who've poured into you, right? 
your grandmother, your mother, they've poured into you. Now you fan into flame. You fan into flame what they've started. So what does it mean to fan into flame this gift of God in your life? It means to grow spiritually. It means to grow spiritually. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, so we had a house, we had a fireplace. We didn't get to use it a whole lot because San Antonio, like the weather is like hot and then it gets hotter. You know, that's kind of our two weather climates there in San Antonio. But we did use it every now and then in the winter. And I loved when I was a little boy when my dad would make a fire. I thought it was the coolest thing, you know. We'd you know, get the newspaper, we'd get there, we'd light it. And then my dad would say, hey, blow on it. And I'd be like, blow on it. And I'd think in my mind, you know, if I'm going to blow it out, I'm going to blow it out. But what happens, right? When those sparks there and you start blowing on it. And then you watch and this thing just erupts and this fire goes and you get this flame. And I always thought that was the coolest thing as a kid. But the same thing is true spiritually. You know, you know some people accept Christ and kind of go, okay, peace out, God. I'll see you, you know, when I die. And, and God's going, no, 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 no. I want you to mature. I want you to become. I want you to reach your full potential. I've got great plans for you. And so Paul's writing Timothy, hey, you've got a great start. Your mom and your grandmother, man, they poured into you. They taught you. They took you to church. You know, they read the, the scriptures with you. Now you fan that into flame. You, you grow stronger. You become all that God wants you to be, Timothy. Fan into flame what God started in you. For some of you, you can remember. You know, you remember growing, going to church growing up, or maybe you've accepted Christ recently at Easter, or past few weeks. But but God started something in you, and now your call is to fan that in flame. Your call is to mature and to grow. And so Paul says, "Hey, God didn't give you a spirit of timidity. And that word means fear. Hey, hey Timothy, don't just sit back. Right? You grow. You grow. So why do we live with a spirit of timidity, a fear?" Well, we forget about God, don't we? We forget about God. We forget about the power that can break the chains, you know? And we start to look at our circumstances. We look at the things going on around us. We look at the things in the world, and we go, I don't know. And so we back off. And we don't live with that courage. We don't live with that power. We don't live with that boldness. But Paul says to Timothy, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. That's not what God gave you. God placed his son in you. And God gave you a spirit of three things. And don't miss this today because this ought to characterize our spiritual life. God gave you a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. This is how God wants you to live. With power, with confidence. God is with me. God is for me. And I may look around and things like seem out of control, but, but you know what? No, 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 no. God's here. God's got this. And I'm going to hang on to him. And love you know, Jesus said the most important commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbors yourself. And here's the thing, the Bible says perfect love drives out all fear. Isn't that true? When you grow deeper in love, it kind of starts to take the fear out of things. When you grow deeper in love with somebody, you just take that fear away. I love this phrase, right? Love everyone always. Love everyone always. And if we start to do that, when we're not worried about envy or jealousy, or we're not worried about somebody getting ahead or somebody having something that we don't, we, we're just going to love them. God's going to take care of it. God's with me. And then this, self-discipline. Self-discipline, it, it takes discipline to grow in your spiritual life. Right? I mean, it takes discipline to get up in the morning and say, hey, I want to read God's word. I want to I spend time in prayer. I, 
I want to, you know, get involved in the community group. I want to serve. I want to give back. But that's how you grow. And so often when we stop doing those things, right, and we're hitting Denny's at 2 in the morning, you know, we're hitting fries, and you're like, hey, when I'm going to get out of shape, those things are going to happen physically, but spiritually the same principle holds true. I was talking with a guy the other day, you know, and he's like, man, I just, there's this person, and, I, and I've watched him, and they just stop spending time with the Lord, and I can see some of the decisions they're making. He goes, would you pray with me? And I'm like, yes, and you watch it. You watch it. You know, the older you get, you can kind of see it unfold. You're like, no, 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 no. Come back and put those disciplined things in place. And sometimes you go, oh, I'm so tired. You know, I don't want to read my Bible or pray or, you know, pray with my wife or pray with my kids. It's so hard. It takes time. But I'm telling you, those little things make such an impact and such a difference. And Paul says to Timothy, don't miss it. <laughs> you know, be disciplined. Invest in what matters. See, what Paul is challenging Timothy to do is to finish well. Paul's going, my time is coming up. I know it. I mean, my time, I'm getting ready. You know, I'm going to die. I don't know how I'm going to die, but I'm getting ready to die. But Timothy, you still got life. And I want you to live it, and I want you to do it the right way. So then Paul gives him this charge. And this charge kind of runs throughout all these chapters here in 2 Timothy. In verse 8, he says, so do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me as prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and that is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Wow, what a charge, what a charge. And here's what Paul says. Paul says, don't be ashamed. Paul was not ashamed of the Lord or the gospel, but are we? Paul was saying, Timothy, don't be ashamed. Don't hold back. And I think sometimes, you know, even our culture in our day, we're like, ah, I don't know if I should step into this conversation at work. I don't know if I should invite this person to church. I don't know how they're going to respond or react. I don't know if I should, you know, say to my spouse or my kids, hey, let's have a family devotional. I don't know if that's going to push them up. And Paul's going, no, 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 no. You step out. Now think about this. For Paul and Timothy, I mean, they're like putting their lives on the line, right? I mean, for Timothy, the gospel could have cost him his life. We already know from Hebrews 13 that he spent some time in prison for being a Christian. But for us in the United States, hey, we're, we're not worried about that. <laughs> By the grace of God, you know, we can share our faith freely. We can pray freely. Now, there's other parts of the world where Christians are literally putting their lives on the line. But Paul says to Timothy, hey, join me. Join me in suffering for the gospel. Now, we don't like to suffer, do we? <laughs> I mean, we, everything in our culture builds us to not suffer. I mean, we've got air conditioning. We've got, you know, comfortable beds. You know, we've got spas. We, everything is to make us comfortable. But sometimes spiritually, it's in the midst of the suffering that we really grow. And we don't like that. We're like, you know, God, just take away all the suffering. And, and God's going, I'm refining you. I'm molding you. And Paul was wise enough to know, hey, I'm in prison, but God's not finished with me. 
God's got a plan and a purpose for me. And I'm going to write this letter. I'm going to use whatever breath I have. I'm going to do whatever I can for the glory of God. And God's going to use it for 2,000 years to impact people's lives. And I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're facing. But I know this. God hasn't forgotten about you. And God hasn't given up on you. And God is still with you. And God loves you. And so instead of just saying, hey, I want to fast forward through this. Say, God, what do you want to teach me in this? How do you want to grow me in this? How can I mature in this? Because as believers, there's going to be times that are going to be hard, challenging. How do I know that? Well, I know some really strong, mature believers who've gone through some hard things. I also know scripture. I know there's people like Joseph. We'll study him this summer. He spent 13 years in jail for something he didn't do. But God was refining him. And God was preparing him. And God was going to do something great through him. And so Paul says, hey, Timothy, if you're going to finish well, you just have to know there's going to be some struggles that are going to come. And when those struggles come, you don't back away from God. You don't walk away. You don't get distracted. You don't move, you know, and say, hey, well, forget it. God forgot about it. No, 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 no. Those times you press in deeper. Those times you grow stronger. Those times you hold on tighter. Because God is with you. God is with you, Timothy. You hold on to him. You hold on to him. There's a guy in the Old Testament named Job. And I want to tell you, man, this guy was a righteous guy. And if you know his story, man, all of a sudden, it was like his life fell apart. I mean, I mean, all these bad things started happening to Job. And sometimes you can kind of feel like Job, right? And even Job's friends showed up. And they're like, hey, Job, what would you do to make God mad at you? I mean, obviously, you blew it somewhere along the way. And Job's like, no, 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 I didn't. I'm, telling, I'm not perfect, but I'm telling you, I still love God, and though he slay me, yet I'll worship him. Wow. Even Job's own wife came out and said, well, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Thanks, honey. You know, like, I mean, like, really? You know, he's like, no, I can't. God is still here. God is still with me. God is still for me, and I'm going to hold on to him. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And if you and I are to finish well, we've got to know that. And sometimes we think, well, if I'm living for God, then everything's going to be perfect in my life. We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. And everybody goes through struggles. And how are people who don't know Jesus going to know that there's hope in the midst of the struggles if they don't watch other believers walk through that and handle that differently with hope and life and peace? And so God says, hey, I'm with you. And there's a greater story that I'm writing, and there's deliverance that is coming, and the chains will be broken one day, but there will be some challenges that you will face. So Timothy, be bold. Church, hold on. Stay strong. Paul's charging Timothy to live boldly for Christ Jesus. We're going to see this throughout this letter. And then we come to this commitment. Commitment. Pick up here verse 13. What you heard from me keep is the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. I love that. Guard this good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Philgius and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Oniferous because he has often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. 
May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he has helped me in Ephesus. Paul, here he is. People have walked out, they've walked away. They're probably scared, right? I'm gonna get arrested, I don't know what's gonna happen. But this guy, Onesiphorus, you know, he shows up. Aren't you thankful for the friends in your life? When everybody else walks out, they're the people who walk in. They're the people that are just like, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying with you. And God puts those people there. And God has those people there. And we don't always have to have the right thing to say. Sometimes we're worried, like if I show up, you know, somebody's going through a tough time, am I gonna say the wrong thing? No, you don't worry about that. Just the power of presence, of being there. And, and, and Paul's saying, Timothy, you be one of those people. You be committed all the way, all the way to the end. Guard what was entrusted to you. Guard what was entrusted to you. And I love that. What are you doing with what has been entrusted to you? What are you doing with what has been entrusted to you? It's like, you know, Lois and Eunice, and now they're handing the baton to Timothy. Timothy, it's yours. You run with it now. And in your life, maybe you could think back to a parent or a grandparent or a great-grandparent who passed that faith on generation. And here you are in the next generation. And it's been trusted to you. And I think Paul's just saying, Timothy, it's your time. It's your opportunity. What are you going to do with it? There's a guy in our church who um, has become a dear friend, and uh, his name's Tim Burke. Um, some of you may have been following his story on Facebook and some of the posts that he's been making. But several years ago, Tim and Colleen were living in Southern California two kids, and uh, he had a successful mortgage banking company. Things were going really well. And uh, as believers, you know, they were kind of moving along, and things were good, things were fine. And then one day they went to the doctor, and the doctor diagnosed Tim with prostate cancer. And the doctor told Tim, um, you're terminal. And Tim, as only he can, he said, well, aren't we all terminal? You know, I mean, like, what do you mean? I mean, we're all gonna die, right? And the doctor said, well, you've got about five years. So here he is in his early 50s, and his wife, his kids. That was six years ago when they were diagnosed, and Tim packed up the family. They moved to Nashville. He said, you know, we thought to come to be at Vanderbilt University, oncology, and having the best chemo treatments. He said, what we've realized now is that God brought us to Nashville not for Vanderbilt, for, but for Rolling Hills. And we started coming to church and getting plugged in and serving, giving back, and he said, we needed that. God knew we needed that. God knew we needed community because we were gonna walk through a really hard time. Two high school kids who are awesome and are on fire for the Lord and so involved in student ministry and, and them and involved in community groups and the people that just rallied around them. Well, about two months ago, after 37 chemo treatments, they went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, you've got about 90 days, 90 days. And the doctor said, you know, you better get your affairs in order. And Tim and Colleen walked out of appointment and said, shouldn't we always have our affairs in order, you know? Shouldn't we always be ready? Because we don't know what's going to happen today, tomorrow. We, we don't know. But that day they decided, you know, hey, there's probably 20 people in our lives that we haven't shared Christ with. We, we need to do that. We started mailing out books, The Case for Christ, and praying and talking with people. And, and I often thought, you know, if I had 90 days, what would I do with those 90 days? 
Tim's making these posts and puts on Facebook and just sharing his story and so many people are watching all over the country. And I sat down with Tim and just said, hey, what would you say to us? You know, here's the Apostle Paul, kind of his last letter and you're in your last days. We all could be in our last days. We don't know, but, but what would you say to us? And so I want you to watch this right now. Tim, thanks for sitting down with us today. And uh, man, tell us just a little bit about your story, but we're in this series called Finish Well. And we're looking at the Apostle Paul and he's writing 2 Timothy and, 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 and Paul knows, you know, he's about to be um, executed for his faith, um, his faith in Christ Jesus and he's furthered God's kingdom. And yet the whole theme is he wants to finish well. And, and, uh, and you're doing that, you know? I mean, none of us know how many days we have on this earth, but. But you are, you are doing that for the glory of God. And, and I think that's why we're all watching you. Um, what, do you. What would you say about that, finishing well? What does that mean for you? Well, you know, um, Paul is the ultimate example. And so as I, you know, as I read scripture, as I you know, start my day, I find that I gravitate back to Paul's writings. Mm -hmm. I look at Paul's extraordinary life and the fact that in 2 Timothy, he knew his time was winding down. I'm supported by everybody in the world and have these huge networks. He was imprisoned by himself. And um, probably what, for a period of about six years. And to be able to, uh, to be that strong and not have a support around him, I mean, uh, that's incredible because so much of the strength that Jeff that I receive is just it's my wife it's my children it's my friends and uh, the outpouring um, has been it's humbling man it's just it's just you know people that I, I uh, you know went to Bible college with that I haven't seen in 30 years and people I, you know, went to high school with, and uh, the cards, the letters, the... Paul did it so much harder. He didn't have all of that. And the only way I, I relate to him is uh, I just want to be emptied. I want to... I understand Paul talking about finishing the race and I want to be exhausted, you know, uh, into my last breath. Um, everybody that is in my circle of influence, Jeff, uh, it's just got to be a steady stream of me talking about Jesus and that's where my heart is and um, I feel an accountability for the people that are in my network um, I think a lot about you know my last breath here on earth and then my first breath you know in the spirit when I'm in heaven um, I just I want to go out completely empty, and in that way, I relate to Paul. I just don't, 
I don't have his strength. And, but I would like to see him on day one, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I would like to see him and I would like to, you know, to have a conversation and boy, you look at his life and it's extraordinary and to the degree that I can mimic just a little bit of that. Mm. I love it. Mm. Guys, none of us know, right? None of us know. We're not even promised tomorrow. So a couple of things. One, have you started? Have you committed your life to Christ? Are you on this journey? Are you, it's great that you're at church, and I'm so thankful, and I'm so glad, but, but being at church doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. At some point, it's recognizing my own sin, my total depravity, and saying, God, I need you. I need you. That's where the spiritual life starts. That's where the spiritual race begins. That's where you and I have the power inside of us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so if you haven't made that commitment, make it today. Don't wait. You know, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come in. Fill me. Hey, what about this? Are you growing strong? Are you running this race marked out for you, as it says in Hebrews, with perseverance? Man, are you giving your best? I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. And spiritually, that's what's going to last. That's what's going to matter. And it's so easy for us to get caught up in other things, but but man, this is what's going to make a difference. Are you getting distracted? I'm getting distracted. And we live in a world where it's easy to put our attention on all other things. But man, I want to be focused. I want to be focused. And then this, are you preparing to finish well? You know, one of the principles, right? Begin with the end in mind. Are you preparing? Hey, I want to finish well. I want to run this race marked out. I want to run it for the glory of God. I want my best days to still be ahead. I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. This is your time. There'll be challenges along the way, no doubt. But you hold on to God because he'll never let you go. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's going on in your life today. But I know this, God is here. And he's the only one who matters. He is bigger than this life. He's bigger than our struggles. And he is with you and he's for you. He promises to never give up on you. Maybe this morning you just want to pray, Lord Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. Maybe this morning it's just, hey, it's time. It's time for me to step in. It's time for me to be baptized. It's time for me to jump in and make a difference. It's time. Maybe for you it's time to really pour into those around you. plant seeds of the gospel to point people to Jesus. God's not finished with you. Oh no. So Father God, here we are, your disciples. And we've come to hear from you today, Father. God, speak through your word, through the Apostle Paul, through Tim, Father. God, just speak to us. Challenge us so, Father, we can finish well. We've all had a start, Father, when we placed our life in you. But, but God, we want to finish well and make a difference, Father, in our day and our generation. So speak to us right now. In your name we pray.